Welcome to The Wisdom Show, a gathering place for the world's leading experts in the fields of human potential, spirituality, personal development, health, relationships, and more. Join us as we evolve together to the highest expression of our lives. And now, your host, Gene Swan. Welcome, everyone. We are about to experience something very unusual, something that can help us quiet our minds, open our hearts, and live more peacefully in these times of instability and change. Today, we are going to learn some of the meditation techniques of one of the greatest spiritual teachers who ever lived. Paramahansa Yogananda came from India to the United States in 1920 with a mission to spread the message of yoga and meditation in the West. Yogananda wrote the classic Autobiography of a Yogi, published in 1946, which is still appearing on spiritual and international bestseller lists more than 65 years after it was published. He founded the Self-Realization Fellowship, which now has temples around the world. And with us today is Sister Draupadi, a longtime disciple of Paramahansa Yogananda, who lives at the Self-Realization Fellowship headquarters in Los Angeles. Sister Draupadi will be teaching us how we can find inner peace through meditation and yoga and she'll be leading us through a powerful meditation during this program sister draupadi thanks so much for joining us and helping us to understand and incorporate some of the teachings of yogananda well thank you Jean. it's a pleasure to be with you this morning sister draupadi i think one of the most important points that you can help us to understand before we learn more about these spiritual teachings is that yogananda's message is that all religions point in the same direction, that there really is no separation of religion. That's absolutely right, Jean. The underlying unity of all religions is that we are all a living soul. We are children of God, and the highest goal of life is to realize that unity with the Creator. And all great religions have taught this same teaching. So it doesn't matter if someone is Christian, Buddhist, um, Jewish. It doesn't matter. These are teachings that can still help us in our daily lives and really um, do not differentiate among the teachings of different religions. That's absolutely right. In fact, Paramahansa Yogananda often invited people from many the various religious paths to study his teachings of yoga and meditation to help them live a more calm and peaceful and fulfilling life. So yoga does not discriminate. It welcomes all. What Yogananda brought from India to the West is a unique science of direct communion with God. This concept hadn't really been considered or taught in the West before he began to spread his message here in 1920. So prior to this, people um, went to churches and had an indirect experience of God, but um, Yogananda brought new information telling us that we have a more direct experience. Yes, you've put it very well, Jean. Uh, up until now, people did not know how to experience uh, that communion with the divine, how to experience their true nature, their true identity, which is the soul. And the science of yoga meditation teaches us through specific techniques of meditation how to enable us to interiorize the mind interiorize the consciousness so that we can tap into that higher soul nature and experience higher realities. 
As uh, many people and spiritual leaders today talk about the planetary shift we're going through and the changes people are going through, there is a more uh, popularity in the message that we need to get out of our minds and into our hearts. But Yogananda's been saying this, was saying this, uh, he was one of the first bringing this message to us. Yes, that's correct. He's, in fact, known as the father of yoga in the West. And this is a time where the evolution of man is being hastened. Man is no longer satisfied with just reading about spiritual things, uh, but they want to experience. This is the key. And yoga teaches that practice and experience rather than the adherence to Uh, any particular belief is really at the heart of yoga. Um, This is why it has become so popular because people are longing for that experience of spiritual living. And have you seen an increase in the number of people longing for that in these recent times? Oh, absolutely. There's not a day goes by that we don't receive inquiries from around the world uh, asking to... um, study the teachings of yoga and meditation, study Paramahansa Yoga's teachings, um, because they have found that they're just simply not finding the satisfaction or the uh, inner fulfillment or the happiness that they're seeking from outer attainments. And so they are looking for something else and uh, that's missing in their lives, and these teachings help them how to find that. We're hearing the term self-realization more these days. Can you explain for us exactly what that means for us? I'd be happy to, and I think it may help us to first explain what we mean by the word self. And all the world's great religions have declared that we are, in essence, a living soul, that we're not merely a body with a human mind and an ego personality. That's just the outer covering but that hidden within each one of us is the magnificent soul, perfect in every way. And this soul, or the self, is our real nature and it's our true identity. And we can recognize when the soul is expressing itself in us, such as when we can remain calm and peaceful when we're surrounded by uh, turmoil and even conflict, or for example, when we are able to forgive others or when we express uh, compassion, patience, understanding with others. This is the soul expressing its goodness within us. But, um, and, and, and these qualities that I've just mentioned are only a few of the many soul qualities inherent within us that we very much need not only to Uh, navigate successfully through life, but to live a life of genuine happiness and fulfillment. The challenge is, for most of us in today's world, is that when we're rushing around from home to work and feeling overwhelmed by so many demands laid upon us, it's so easy to forget who we are, the soul. And so then what happens is we begin to identify with uh, the emotions that we feel. We identify with the conditions or the circumstances that 
we find ourselves in or we identify with the work that we're doing. And then what we've done is we have identified with something outside of ourselves, but we aren't any of these things. So yoga meditation says, let us calm down this agitation within us. Let us free ourselves from these misconceptions and let us get in touch with who we truly are so that we can experience that true soul nature and bring it to the fore in our daily lives. So self-realization means to know the self as the soul made in the image of the divine. We will get into more of the specifics in just a little while about how to do this and calm ourselves. You did mention these challenging times and also the fact that we all have bills to pay and jobs and children and families, and so it's definitely a balancing act that people need to be able to feel this self-realization. Um, we'll get into the specifics of the practice, but what advice would you give people today who find themselves rushing around and running on empty, and um, what would you tell them to help inspire them to incorporate some yoga and meditation in their lives to, to improve what they're experiencing? Well, that's a, great, that's a great question and a common dilemma for all of us. And I think that we have to slow down, first of all, and then try to find time to incorporate periods of quietness, periods of silence, periods of meditation. And naturally, we have to look at how can we simplify our lives because quite often uh, the activities of our days um, take up an awful lot of time, um, somewhat unnecessarily. So to look at how we spend our time. Uh, for example, we may spend a lot of time uh, watching television or spending time on the Internet, but we have nothing really to show for it. So these activities may not give us quality time. They just simply fill up the time. So it's good to make a list of the day's activities and prioritize them according to what will give you optimum time. And be sure to hold on to those activities that can give you a break from the pressures of life that will help you relax in a wholesome way, such as swimming or cycling or walking. But eliminate from your list one or more activities that can be dispensed with to free up time for, for silence and relaxation and meditation. And we... Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, yes, it, it's important to take that time, whether it's 15 minutes or a half hour, to walk in nature, to be in quiet. A simple uh, amount of time could even help, couldn't it? Absolutely. And what we suggest to our students in the beginning when they're learning how to meditate is ch just two periods of meditation. It can be anywhere from 10 to 20 minutes in the morning, 10 to 20 minutes in the evening, and to think of that time um, as an appointment that they keep that is very special for them for the purpose of calming themselves, of rejuvenating and refreshing their minds and bodies, but also to go a little deeper as they learn how to meditate, to explore an inner world of the soul, of the self, that can give you so much more fulfillment that can give you so much more happiness and clarity and purpose in life. I know a lot of people 
want to meditate, but I know sometimes when I talk to people, they say, well, I don't know how. That's the first problem. And then, you know, they hear so many things, they don't know what to listen to. Also, sometimes when they sit quietly, they realize that their mind is so distracted and they think they're not succeeding, so they might as well not do it anymore because they they don't know how. So what advice would you have for people in that area? How do you start people on this path? Well, this is where the Self-Realization Fellowship teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda are so remarkable because they give you specific techniques to help calm the mind. As you said, when we um, try to sit still, we experience a whirlpool of thoughts revolving in the mind. And sometimes just sitting in the silence doesn't always help to settle down those thoughts. So Paramahansa Yogananda teaches specific meditation techniques to concentrate the mind on one particular thought. And as we keep at it, as we become more and more proficient in concentrating, we begin to find that gradually the thoughts begin to settle down. And this is very key because the process of meditation is to still the mind. And we might be all familiar with the Psalms that says, be still and know that I am God. And so in this instruction lies the key to successful meditation. Stillness is the key. And maybe I can give you an illustration that was often used by Paramahansa Yogananda. Yes, that would be great. If you place a pot of water under the rays of the moon, and then you agitate the water, you create a distorted reflection of the moon. But when you allow the waves in the pot to become completely still, then the reflection of the moon becomes very clear. So it is the same in meditation. When we still the waves of thoughts and physical restlessness, then in that state of meditative stillness, the true nature of our soul is clearly reflected. So what we say to people who ask us is study the teachings of Yogananda and learn the techniques of meditation. For example, we have the technique of concentration that helps to develop one's latent powers of concentration. And then through this technique, you can withdraw the thought and the energy from outward distractions and focus it on any goal or direct it uh, inwardly to realize that divine consciousness within you. We have another technique, the technique of meditation, that uses the power of concentration to tap into higher states of spiritual awareness and to expand the mind, expand the consciousness, so that we can realize our infinite potential. That was such a beautiful analogy with the pond. Um, you mentioned two forms of meditation, one focusing on an outcome and another really communing with God. So did Yogananda teach that we should do both in meditation? Absolutely. The process of meditation takes us inward towards the soul, towards a growing awareness of our true nature. And when we tap into that nature, we experience a higher level of existence, a higher level of awareness, a higher level of consciousness. And at the same time, as we're experience, experiencing that, we are also learning to experience 
and realize our oneness with the Creator. So it's it's two things, indeed. You mentioned different uh, teachings at the Self-Realization Fellowship. Can you explain for us the history of the organization, how it was founded, why it was founded, and, and what people can find there? You have a beautiful center in Encinitas, California, absolutely gorgeous, Thank with uh, gardens. I haven't been to the Los Angeles Center yet. Um, so actually going to the Self-Realization Fellowship itself is an experience, and then you offer so many programs. So tell us a little bit about the history of how it was founded and what people can find there. All right. Well, Self-Realization Fellowship is the organization that Paramahansa Yogananda founded in 1920 to disseminate to the people of all races, cultures, and creeds the ancient science and philosophy of yoga and its time-honored tradition of meditation. And it was in 1920 when Paramahansa Yogananda left India for the United States to serve as a delegate to the International Congress of Religious Liberals convening in Boston. And it was in that year that he founded Self-Realization Fellowship. Then in 1925, he left the East Coast and established his international headquarters here in Los Angeles. We are located atop Mount Washington, overlooking the City of the Angels. And we have temples and, um, in California and Arizona. We have meditation centers and retreats throughout the United States and around the world. And the, the monks and nuns of the Self-Realization Fellowship Monastic Order serve in many capacities to further the spiritual and humanitarian work of Paramahansa Yogananda, and I'll give you some examples of that. We publish the writings, the lectures, and the informal talks of Yogananda. Uh, we oversee our temples, meditation centers, retreats. We conduct youth programs. We also conduct annual lecture and class series in cities throughout the U.S. and abroad. We provide individual spiritual guidance on meditation, we do this by phone or in writing, to thousands of members and friends around the world. And we also coordinate the Worldwide Prayer Circle, a network of groups and individuals who are dedicated to praying for those in need of physical, mental, or spiritual aid and for global peace and harmony. So that's just a little in a nutshell what we do in addition to teaching the science of yoga meditation. And the gardens at the Encinitas location, um, Yogananda himself used to spend time in those gardens, didn't he? Oh, very much so. He absolutely loved that area in Encinitas, and he blessed those gardens. There was a beautiful golden lotus temple then, but because of the erosion of the hillside, it fell into the ocean, but he saved a lot of the um, furnishings, and they are now um, in, very, in our various temples here in Southern California. But that place in Encinitas also houses the hermitage, where he spent uh, a lot of time where he uh, wrote his autobiography of a yogi and his interpretation of the Bhagavad Gita and the um, wonderful interpretation of the four Gospels of Jesus Christ. I did 
uh, tour the Hermitage. It's absolutely beautiful, a very sacred space. You can tell when you go inside. Tell us about the autobiography of a yogi. Um, That is a classic book in literature that's taught in colleges and universities. It's a bestseller 65 years after being published. And there's a long story of how the book came to be. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, first of all, for some of your listeners who may not be familiar, Paramahansa Yogananda was an Indian yogi and a guru, the last in a line of God-realized masters, whose mission it was to introduce to the West the teachings of yoga, meditation, and in particular, Kriya Yoga. An autobiography of a yogi uh, has been instrumental in introducing these yoga teachings to millions of readers. Uh, Time and again, we hear from others that it is autobiography of a yogi that got them started on their spiritual journey and profoundly changed their lives. So his autobiography of a yogi is really um, a stunning account of his spiritual journey. And in the book, uh, he relates the experiences of his remarkable childhood. He describes the visits with saints and sages that he met during his search throughout India for an enlightened teacher, and then the 10 years of training in the hermitage of his guru, Swami Sri Yukteswar, and the more than 30 years from 1920 to 1952 that he lived and taught in America. And as you mentioned, Jean, Autobiography of a Yogi is really considered a timeless spiritual classic with a universal message about the meaning and the purpose of life. And it's been in continuous print, as you said, since 1946. It's now been translated into nearly 30 languages. And it is really the definitive introduction for millions of readers to the spiritual wisdom of the East. I did read it years ago and then started reading it again. It's something that a lot of people read, you know, more than once because there's so much knowledge and wisdom in it. Yes. And as... As far as Kriya Yoga, can you define that for us? Because I think um, the common um, understanding of yoga and meditation, in terms of yoga, most of us think of Hatha Yoga and um, or possibly some of the other forms of yoga, and then um, meditation as sitting in silence. But Kriya Yoga is very specific. Can you explain for us uh, what it's like and how it's different from how we traditionally view yoga and meditation? Yes, well... Kriya Yoga, let me just back up a little bit by saying that the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda are founded on the teachings of Raja Yoga, which uh, is called the highest path in yoga because it encompasses all of the other yoga paths. And just in case some of your listeners may not be familiar, I can list them. We talked a little bit about Hatha Yoga, the physical yoga. Then there is karma yoga, the path of selfless service. There is bhakti yoga, the path of devotion. There is mantra yoga, the recitation of sacred, uh, certain sacred sounds. And then there is jnana yoga, the yoga of meditation. And at the heart of the Raja Yoga system is the practice of definite scientific methods of meditation known as Kriya Yoga. 
Kriya Yoga is an advanced Raja Yoga technique. It is the quickest and most direct method of meditation that enables the normal activities of the heart and lungs to slow down naturally. And as a result of this, the consciousness is drawn to higher levels of perception, and this gradually brings about an inner awakening that is more blissful and more deeply satisfying than any of the experiences that the mind or the senses or the ordinary human emotion can give. So it is this direct approach that makes Kriya Yoga different and unique from the other yoga systems. So it is designed to physically get us to a place where we can achieve a meditative state um, more quickly and at a higher level. Absolutely. It is very direct. And the after effects of Kriya bring with them utmost peace and joy. And so this is something that not only helps us to perceive higher levels of spiritual perception, but also to feel completely satisfied and fulfilled because we are tapping into our higher soul nature. So through the Self-Realization Fellowship, I know you, you've mentioned some of the programs you have, mm-hmm. and people can also, at a very nominal fee, um, get some of the teachings. Now, can you explain for us how it works? Because you have a program that lasts a year where people receive teachings, and then they can move on to Kriya Yoga at that point. Can you explain that for us? Yes, I'd be happy to, Jean. After a preliminary study and practice of the Self-Realization Fellowship lessons that were compiled from the lectures prepared under the supervision of Paramahansa Yogananda that teach us about how to live a spiritual life, and they also teach us the techniques of meditation. Um, we, it's important to go through those lessons and learn how to prepare your mind for meditation and then actually practice meditation. And so for a period of about one year, you are learning how to meditate, learning how to concentrate, learning how to still the mind and interior interiorize the mind. And then after about a year of preparation and practicing meditation uh, on a daily basis, then you are welcome to contact Self-Realization Fellowship on how to receive the Kriya Yoga meditation technique. And for anyone who is interested, um, information about this can be found on our website at, can I give that now, Jean? Certainly, yes. That's at www.yogananda-srf.org. And if anyone is interested in learning more about Kriya Yoga, um, they can uh, read an in-depth description in Autobiography of a Yogi in the chapter entitled The Science of Kriya Yoga, and that will give a much more detailed explanation than we have for uh, have time for here. So people receive the teachings, and they can do that on their own, and at the point that they want to move on to the Kriya Yoga, they need to find a teacher at a temple in their area, correct? That's right. What, what we do is we encourage our students to practice 
uh, meditation in their homes and to apply the principles of right living, of spiritual living. And then once they're ready and want to inquire about Kriya Yoga, they can actually contact uh, Self-Realization Fellowship here, the international headquarters, and ask to speak with someone, and they would be happy to talk with them and guide them on how they can proceed with learning the uh, technique of Kriya Yoga. So this is for people who really, really want to prioritize in their life. What are some of the things you see with people from when they start to when they go through the Kriya Yoga program? Can you talk about some of your experiences in helping people uh, through this process and what changes you see? Well, when you practice yoga, it really transforms your life, especially if you make the practice of meditation a part of your life. And so what we see in our students is an overall growing sense of peace and harmony that permeates their body and their mind. And and they say this is so refreshing and rejuvenating. And this peace and harmony, they say, it it just affects my whole life. It manifests in their thoughts and feelings, in their speech, in their actions, and in their interactions with others. Um, they also experience some very positive changes, such as a mental calmness and an evenness of mind that enables them to see people and situations very clearly. And another beautiful benefit is an interchange or a release from some limiting behavior that has held them back because the more you're in touch With that divine nature in meditation, the more this eradicates the grooves of undesirable habits in the brain, and it enables you to bring forth and establish positive behavioral patterns. And, Jean, I wanted to share with you a letter from one of our students. Great. Thank you. Yeah. She's a 14-year-old girl who had learned the Hong Sa technique of meditation, and that's the technique I referred to earlier as enabling one to develop one's latent powers of concentration and to withdraw the life force within to commune with the divine. And and in the letter, she describes the transformation that she experienced. She writes, First of all, the Hong Sa technique is the best thing that I have ever learned because it affects and changes my whole life. After I practice the technique, then mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually, I feel peaceful. It is not a normal, human, describable calm. It is the ultimate peaceful calm. No words can describe it. Emotionally, I have much more inner happiness, and I am much more tolerant, I am much kinder, much more giving. And listen to what she says next. It is as if my soul speaks after I practice this technique. And when I close my eyes and gaze at the point between the eyebrows, the spiritual eye, God's big bright white light is gazing back at me. Overall, I feel a great peace, which in no other way can be expressed except in itself. Thank you 
for allowing me to receive this beautiful technique. Wow. That's a tremendous testimony of the transformation that awaits anyone if they make meditation, daily meditation, a part of their life. And this was from a 14-year-old. This is a 14-year-old girl. We have a youth program that's conducted every year in the month of June. Um, And um, this young girl learned that technique at the youth program. And it just changed her life. She's just so thrilled. And it's wonderful for young people to begin to meditate. The earlier, the better. That is beautiful. We don't think of that often in terms of children, but why not start them? They, they will have a much better life if they start younger. Oh, you're so right, Jean. You're so right. And what that, the woman, uh, the girl said mm-hmm. in the letter reminds mm-hmm. me of uh, another a quote from the Bible, the peace that passes all understanding. Absolutely. That is it. She, there's no way to describe that ultimate peace. It's beyond description. It's something that we can all experience. The truth is, it's already within us. We just have to tap it, tap into it through meditation. And there's another whole inner kingdom to be discovered within us. What's also a good point for people is that with so many of us trying to solve different problems or issues or, you know, habits or addictions, what you're describing and what the 14-year-old girl described is that uh, these things fall away. It's not that we have to, like, uh, you know, go after these problems and solve them. It's that they naturally fall away once we tap into our divine nature. Absolutely. That is a tremendous help um, uh, in overcoming certain limitations. Uh, we also have to do the work of intelligent, conscious actions, of being mindful of our behavior, because once we step onto the spiritual path, our actions have to be in keeping with right living and the principles, as I said, of right behavior. But I'm going to share with you uh, something that Paramahansa Yogananda said about the power of meditation to transform your life. He says, And we touched on this just a little bit ago. In deep meditation, the superconscious mind uses the relaxed energy concentrated in the brain to penetrate into the brain grooves where habits are secreted, consciously seeking out and cauterizing those undesirable tendencies. That is the power of meditation. Wow, and that is something that we can all definitely aspire to, and you're giving us an entree into how to do this, which is so amazing. We'll give the information a little bit more about how people can contact you to start learning more about Kriya Yoga. Also, um, Sister Draupadi, as far as intuition, can you tell us how meditation helps in intuition and some of the synchronistic things that you may have seen, experienced in your own lives or in the lives of those that you teach? Well, meditation does help us to develop intuition. In fact, it's a faculty of the soul, something that all of us already has within us. And maybe I can share with you Paramahansa Gananda's definition of intuition. Yes, great. Intuition, he says, is like a light, a flame of knowledge that comes from the soul. It possesses all-sided power to know all there is to be known, And every man and woman inherently possesses 
some of this power. But in most people, it is undeveloped. So you and I, Jean, and, and many of your listeners have experienced some form of intuition. You know, we may have had hunches or impressions or strong inner feelings about things that uh, later turned out to have been right. And this is our soul intuition at work. And what people may not realize is that in many ways throughout the day, our soul is guiding us. When we are prompted toward goodness, toward right action, that is our soul at work. Or when it, we're reminded that we made some misstep and we need to correct our course, that again is the soul trying to guide us. And Yogananda often used to quote this. He often used to say to the, de- to the disciples, you know when you are doing wrong. Your whole being tells you. And isn't it true? We, we feel ill at ease. Something's not right. Yes. And we hope never to repeat that again. <laughs> and the converse is true. You know, when you're doing right, you're at peace with yourself and you're at peace with the world. Now, some people might say, well, that's my conscience talking to me, and they would be absolutely right. But Yogananda takes it a step further. He says, the voice of conscience is actually the voice of the soul speaking to us through our intuition. And to truly develop intuition, we need to calm the mind through meditation, and that begins to awaken that latent ability in us in order for us to hear that all-knowing inner voice. And the key is not only to meditate, but to listen to those inner promptings, to listen to those um, good suggestions that motivate us to go in a certain direction. And so the more we listen to it, the more active it becomes in guiding us and inspiring us, and it can play a very important part in the decisions we make in daily life. This is so key because I think people have been trained, at least in our society, that mm-hmm. uh, to, to to downplay that, to ignore it, to listen no. to the authorities, to <laughs> not do what you feel you should do because that's wrong and do what someone else tells you to do and don't challenge that. So we have spent many, many years learning to go against this. And yes. now the truth is that's exactly what we need to listen to. You're so right because... The soul is ever with us. The soul wants to express itself more in our lives, to come to the fore. The fact is that what is it that comes to the fore in daily life? Isn't it our little little ego nature, the ego mind? And so the soul is pushed into the background. And so we're listening to the voice, you know, to our reason, the voice of reason, the voice of logic, and that's good. It's very helpful to do that. But sometimes when we go solely by that, then we're, we're not quite in tune with what we really should be doing because we're thinking, well, if I uh, do this thing in this way, someone may not be happy with me. But in your heart, you know it's the right thing. And often, or the more often, shall I say, that you follow that, there begins to be this flow in life where you are automatically guided to do the right thing, to be in the right place at the right time, or some thought drops into your head that gives you an answer to a solution that you've been looking for. And that, that is your soul intuition trying to help you, trying to befriend you, 
trying to make you the best person that you can be. And the way you describe it, that would make life a very pleasant experience and just kind of almost mystical and magical because there isn't struggle anymore. It's all synchronistic. That's right. And even during challenging times, our soul can guide us and help us and strengthen us in, in, in daily life when we face challenges. And the truth is that we are all together in this school of life. And our experiences present us with endless opportunities to learn something. It's, it's just like when we were students in school and we had to learn our lessons and pass the tests that we were given before we could advance to the next level. And so it is with life. So the meditator holds to this perspective so that when challenges arise, instead of resenting or um, blaming others or going into denial about our problems, we can look at that situation squarely and ask, all right, what is it that I am supposed to learn from this situation? Or what limitation is this asking me again to overcome? Because oftentimes those same tests keep coming back again and again. Or we might say, it seems like this situation is asking me to grow and expand in some way. And often the greatest challenges in our life become the greatest agents for spiritual growth and transformation. And when you think about it, if you are calm as a result of your meditation, if you are even of mind, you are better equipped to cope because you're not overreacting emotionally, which then clouds all reason, all logic. But through meditation, you are equipped to cope, to then approach the situation with a calm, clear perspective and do your best to find the right solutions or to make the necessary changes to improve that situation. And, you know, we might even be surprised to find that as a result of our meditations, when we are tested, we, uh, we find there is this inner strength or, and a deeper understanding that just comes to the fore that we didn't know we had. And this inner strength steadies us so that we aren't so easily shaken. And maybe I can just give an example. When you look at the lives of the saints or the masters of all religions, some of them faced many, many hardships in their efforts to help others. Theirs was not a smooth life, but it was a supremely victorious life because their security wasn't based on anything external. So what was their secret? I would say that their heart, mind, and soul was anchored in the divine, the one eternal principle that never changes. And so they found in God a security that nothing in this world can give, and a strength that no trial can defeat. So I would say that when challenges come, that's the time to meditate even more because this is when we need to connect to our higher self, to the divine the most. And if we do this every day, we can face each new day with the feeling of security, with fortitude, with faith and peace in our hearts, knowing that through meditation we will never be alone. So for people going through challenging times right now, and there are many, 
um, would you say the place to start is to look at what the challenge is and ask what's the lesson because that's going to get them through it and and get them to develop the other aspects of themselves that may be laying dormant so is that the first step in addition to spending that quiet time in meditation absolutely because as i said earlier the experiences that are presented to us especially through challenges are opportunities to learn and grow and that's what all of us in life are being asked to do. We just can't remain dormant. We have to grow. And when you face a challenge, it's a great opportunity, really, if you have the right understanding and hold to that perspective and really engage in self-awareness to ask yourself, all right, and as I said many times, that same lesson repeats itself in our lives. So ask ourselves, all right, what should I do here? What am I being asked to do? And at the same time, do try to find a solution that will make the situation better. But ask yourself, what is it? There's a deeper meaning here in this challenge, very deep. And that requires us to take a deep look within ourselves so that we can improve and grow and change. Doing that alone and turning the situation around to look at it as a blessing in disguise rather mm -hmm. than an insurmountable problem, that alone could change people's lives. Oh, that's so well put, Jean. That's perfect. It is a blessing in disguise. And there's also a spiritual law that says you will never be tested beyond your ability to overcome that test. And maybe I can just share a few sayings of Paramahansa Yogananda that actually gives the attitude or the perspective that a yogi or meditator needs to cultivate. Yes. He, he, he said, a smooth life is not a victorious life. So learn to stand unshaken midst the crash of breaking worlds. Then he said, you are immortal. Your trials are mortal. And you can unleash infinite power to shatter your finite troubles. That is, that is the attitude that we eventually come to cultivate and, and manifest in our life. The poetic way that he expresses that this is just, uh, that's why people want to read the book over and over. Who could put it any better than that? It's beautiful. Yes, his words are so permeated with truth. They have such an elevating quality. They speak to us on a deep, deep, deep soul level and makes us want to um, aspire to reach those truths and those states that he shares with us can be attained. And he has a way of simplifying it, too, taking something very profound and making it simple and beautiful to read and easy to grasp so that and everyone can, can understand it right away. It has to be practical. It has to be applicable. Otherwise, it, it, it's just very, um, it's too theoretical, but he makes it practical. He, he called his teachings how to live teaching, how to live in daily life, how to live a spiritual life in daily life. Sister Draupadi, can you guide us through a meditation now? You um, have something that we're so excited you're going to share with our audience to guide us through a meditation um, that um, you use at the Self-Realization Fellowship. Yes, this, this 
will be a meditation on peace, and I'm just thrilled to be able to do this, Jean. Um, but I, maybe I can give just a few little pointers on uh, meditation, and that is to try to start and end your, end your day with meditation for optimal results and to find a quiet, peaceful place in your home where there are minimal distractions, where you can be secluded and undisturbed during your meditation. And let this become your, how shall I call it, sanctuary that you use exclusively for your meditation practice. Also wear comfortable, loose-fitting clothes. Find a comfortable chair or sit cross-legged on a firm surface facing east if you can. That's not important, but you can. And then sit with your spine straight and your shoulders back and your chin parallel to the floor. And so now I'll guide you into a meditation on peace. Now with closed eyes, gently focus your gaze at the point between the eyebrows, the seat of divine perception. And listen to these words of Paramahansa Yogananda. Peace emanates from the soul and is the sacred inner environment from which peace unfolds. Peace is not something we can acquire from outside of ourselves. We must learn to discover it within. Through meditation, we become centered in the stillness and the joy of our own essential nature, the soul. And we can partake of that divine peace, which is the actual presence of God, the peace that passes all understanding. So close your eyes, gently lift your gaze upward without straining, and then mentally command the body to be still and relaxed. Fix your attention at this center of calmness. Concentrate on relaxing the body. Leave aside all thoughts of the world. Let go of all cares and concerns and feel the peace within. Now concentrate on the breath only and visualize each breath as a wave of peace. Then let us use this affirmation, O Spirit, teach me to find thy presence on the altar of my constant peace and in the joy that springs from deep meditation. And as you continue to sit completely still, let us practice a breathing exercise to help calm the body and the mind, keeping the gaze and the attention focused at the point between the eyebrows. Expel the breath through the mouth in a double exhalation. Now inhale through the nostrils, tensing the whole body and clenching the fists. Hold briefly, then exhale in a double exhalation and relax all the body parts at once. Let's repeat this again three times. Inhale and tense. 
hold, exhale, and relax. Inhale and tense, hold, exhale, and relax. Inhale and tense, hold, exhale, and relax. Now one final time without any tension. Inhale, hold, exhale, and completely relax. Now forget the breath. Let it flow in and out naturally of its own accord as in ordinary breathing. With the attention fixed at the point between the eyebrows, mentally concentrate on these words of Paramahansa Yogananda. Meditate on these words until you feel that divine peace has become a part of your own consciousness. Fix your mind inwardly between the eyebrows on the shoreless lake of peace. Watch the eternal circle of rippling peace around you. The more you watch intently, the more you will feel the wavelets of peace spreading from the eyebrows to the forehead, from the forehead to the heart, and on to every cell in your body. Now the waters of peace are overflowing the banks of your body and inundating the vast territory of your mind. The flood of peace flows over the boundaries of your mind and moves on in infinite directions. Feel the calmness and stillness within. Enjoy the feeling of peace, of love, of joy permeating your whole body and mind. Enjoy that stillness born of meditation. Now please mentally repeat this affirmation with me. Concentrate deeply on these words. I am the temple of quietness. Peace fills my body. Peace fills my heart and dwells within my love. Peace within, peace without, peace everywhere. Infinite peace surrounds my life and permeates all the moments of my existence. Peace unto myself. Peace unto my family. Peace unto my nation. Peace unto my world. Peace unto my cosmos. I am in the temple of peace. I am in the temple of peace. 
am in the temple of peace. Now you may open your eyes. And hold to the peace that you have gained during this meditation throughout this day. And I recommend that you practice this each morning and evening and to gradually practice for longer periods on your own. So that concludes our meditation. Thank you, Sister Drapity. That was beautiful. You're welcome, Jean. And we will have this on our website at thewisdomshow.com in our archives so that people can go back and listen again and again. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing all of this wisdom and bringing so much light to us in these times where it's very much needed and sharing your wisdom and the wisdom of Yogananda. One more time, Sister Draupadi, can you tell people where they can um, find more information about the Kriya Yoga teachings and the uh, basics of meditation? Yes, I'd be very happy to. The um, website address of Self-Realization Fellowship is www.yogananda.com yogananda-srf.org and our website offers comprehensive information on how to live a balanced spiritual life. It talks about the importance of prayer and affirmation and you can even um, go through a guided meditation such as we just had on the website and it also gives the directory of the temple's and meditation centers around the world and a schedule of our activities and events. And again, it's www.yogananda-srf.org. And it's been such a great pleasure to speak with you. You've been so gracious, and I want to invite you to come to visit us uh, here in Los Angeles next time you're in the city. Absolutely. I would love to, Sister Draupadi. Thanks for the invitation. I understand that you're facility is another beautiful place to visit as the one I've seen in Encinitas. So I'll really look forward to that. I hope a lot of our listeners will now want to go and and visit you as well. Please, yes, they can come to our Encinitas retreat uh, near uh, La Jolla, or we have a beautiful Lake Shrine Temple out in Pacific Palisades on Sunset Boulevard. And there's that's a beautiful uh, retreat and grounds with a beautiful lake and gardens and it's just the most peaceful place and of course they can come here to the international headquarters so it's been my joy Jean. thank you so much sister Drapati. you're so welcome all the best to you thank you and you as well it's been our pleasure to bring this information to people and uh, i would highly recommend people visiting the the temples and self-realization fellowship organizations it's a beautiful way to spend a day and you'll learn so much And we thank uh, Sister Draupadi. We thank all of our listeners for sharing this time with us. Until next time, everyone, live wisely. Welcome to...